0: So it was called a duck a duck. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say COVID was the best thing that ever happened to this industry. And uh, I hope I don't offend everybody by saying that, but it, it was.
1: You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. The snow sports industry breathed a sigh of relief when last winter was in the rearview mirror. That sense of relief was all too short lived though. While this winter won't be the same as last, it appears that COVID will still be very much a part of it. The good news? For most operators, the COVID operations manual for winter is already written. The bad news? We need to take it out again and maybe add a few notes. On this episode, we will look ahead to the upcoming season and learn what mountain resort operators from across North America are planning as of now. This huddle conversation was supported by Doppelmayer. We'll start the discussion here with SAM publisher, Olivia Rowan. So uh, we're going to get started here. I'm Olivia Rowan, publisher of SAM
2: Magazine, and joining me today is SAM's editor, Dave Meeker. So Dave, we're going to head to you next.
3: Yes, it is August 30th, and winter is still months away, but a major contributor to the industry's success last winter was we started planning and sharing very early for what we knew was going to be a strange winter. As the pandemic continues to surge, it's time to start those conversations again as we prepare for what appears to be yet another strange winter for many of the same reasons as last, but with some additional twists that may further complicate things. We have a winter of COVID operations under our belt and resources like the huddle and NSAA's ski well, be well guidance, so it's not uncharted territory.
2: But, we have a but. Um, As you will hear in, in the next hour from our panelists, the complex challenges heading into this season Uh, as we know, are around masks, vaccines, labor shortages, um, fatigue, and meeting the demand. Take, for example, um, something that popped up last week that we were sort of concerned about, which was the FAA was posting a PSA last week called Unruly Behavior Doesn't Fly, which said of the 3,988 reports of unruly behavior on airplanes so far this year, 2,928 were related to masks. In a normal year, they only get 150. 50 formal cases of bad passenger behavior. We should take note of this. And should we be ready for the same divided public to show up at our resorts? How will this play out for our staff and the customers? And without cover of mandates, will resorts align together regionally or with other businesses in the community? Or will you follow the lead of a growing list of corporations putting forth mask and vaccine mandates? As you will hear from every panelist, there is also the continued strain on labor shortages and it's a continued concern for sure for for most of our panelists today. But we face these challenges knowing we have done this before and the things that worked for us in the past are still at our disposal. Things like strong relationships with our health regulators and knowing that skiing and riding are now proven low risk activities and that more than half the US population are fully vaccinated and we have time to prepare. So we should also take a moment to acknowledge the incredible advancements for our industry, the better guest experience for many, and during and doing more with less. We've done that for sure, and um, long overdue technology advancements, were just to name a few things we can feel good about. And we're a resilient bunch, and we'll figure it out. So let's start our huddle with Kelly Pollock, who's the president and CEO of NSAA.
3: Kelly, thanks for joining us. So. Uh... Last winter, ski areas had a variety of resources and state and local mandates to guide their operating plans, including NSAA's Ski Well, Be Well campaign and COVID playbook. There seems to be less appetite from government in many states to reinstate mandates, but operators have expressed a desire for guidance as we approach COVID winter number two. So, what is NSAA planning to provide for this coming winter to help ski areas? What are you guys working on?
4: Thanks so much for the invite. We are definitely. As the title says, dusting off the playbook, we actually have a playbook on our website. Summer and winter. It's basically A to Z. If you're looking for something at your ski resort, you can look it up by um, alphabetically and it gives some COVID best practices, some COVID guidelines. So we'll be dusting that off. Right now, we're working on content um, regarding vaccinations because what we're hearing from some skier is, is like, how do we talk to our staff? How do we talk to the guests when we open for winter? So that's what we're working on, and hopefully everybody is encouraging vaccinations because that's our best way out of this, so we don't have to have this discussion again when the next season season is upon us. But we'll have that um, we'll have that for you. Uh, I did an informal, extremely informal poll at the Midwest Ski Areas Association um, event at the keynote in the morning. And ask people if, they're, if they have mask mandates, I mean, vaccine mandates at their ski areas, and basically nobody raised their hand. I also asked, Have you considered it? But you're afraid that you may lose some staff members, and um, I'd say a third of the hands were raised on that. So it's, it's definitely a concern, but also, you know, if, if one of the people that um, doesn't have a vaccination may be, you know, your lead lift mechanic. You don't want to lose that important team member. So it's it's a it's a tough thing. Um, but positive scientific um um content, that's what we're going to offer to you. And um Olivia, you had asked me earlier today if there are any updates on the J1 visa front. So I um made a call to Dave Bird, who is always up to date on those things. And and he said there's there's several issues right now, but the two biggies, um, uh, one is that 80% of the J1s that, that you all um, bring into your uh, team come from Argentina and Peru, and the embassies have not scheduled interviews. And that's one of the uh, criteria you got to have that, that, um, that interview. So, what we're doing right now is we're putting pressure on the State Department with the help of ski state governors, um, and we're asking for virtual interviews. And even if we can get those virtual interviews, then there is the issue of um, there's a big paper backlog. So everything is taking a very long time. And then the second ask that we have is on vaccinations because these staff members um, may be coming from an area where they don't have the Pfizer or the Moderna um, vaccination or the Johnson Johnson. So we're asking for flexibility if they have a different vaccination. Um, so it's... It's not great news, quite honestly, on the international um, front. Um, I think that's about it from NSAA. Uh, Look for uh, content from us. And uh, I guess I would just finish up with uh, Ski Well, Be Well. The great thing about it is you've all trained to it. uh, You're ready to go. And we don't know what version it's gonna be. It's still a little early. And I would say to everybody just kind of hold on Keep an eye on everything, stay tuned in. Um, but what we're hearing is outside, no restrictions. We, we wanna be advocating for, we know what to do and we are gonna put as many people as we can in those lifts, you know, we've done this before. Inside, what I'm hearing is that some skiers are considering a mask mandate um, and certainly working um, with what's going on in their
1: regions and counties. We'll get back to the conversation after we thank our podcast partner, Accesso. Your venue is unique, so why settle for cookie-cutter technology? From ticketing to e-commerce and guest experience management, no solution should be one-size-fits-all. You deserve a technology solutions partner that understands you as well as you understand your guests. For over 20 years, the team at Accesso has served as a premier technology solutions provider for ski areas, attractions, and venues worldwide. Learn more today at www.accesso.com. www.accesso.com, Um All right, let's move to our first um, uh,
2: resort guest, which is uh, who's Peggy Hiller, who is the VP of Operations at Arapaho Basin in Colorado. And thanks for joining us, Peggy. Uh, last year, um, you and I discussed, last year you had um, mask mandates and guidance from your local county but you would mention this year as kelly was saying there seems to be less appetite for mandates from governor polis and um and where does a basin stand at the moment around masks and vaccines yeah thanks
5: for having me um so i would still say that's true it is changing on a day-to-day basis i'm mm-hmm. sure you guys are experiencing that yeah um and we have heard from at least our county public health that for them it's really hospitalizations and we have capacity in our communities hospital. Um, To whatever extent, if we have um, very sick individuals in our hospital because um, our hospitals not got the full breadth and depth of um, facilities, they do ship people down to Denver primarily so But that was really what we keep hearing loud and clear from our public health and um, county commissioners here is that hospitalizations is really what's going to move the needle. Now, I mean, just like Kelly mentioned, we really, really believe that vaccination is the way out of this. And we have continually, since vaccinations have been available, pushed that, um, encouraged that, um, made Lots. We even had a vaccination site. Maybe you guys heard last spring when we were open um, on our, in our parking lot, you could get a vaccination and then go get a beer in the bar um, kind of event. We had good success with our employees also participating as well as our guests with that. But um, I read a recent article that was put out by um, our employers council, which is a, a group of HR resources here in Colorado. And Um, the article really put forth that vaccination is a matter of safety and risk management at this point. And I know that the ski industry really takes safety and risk management, obviously, incredibly seriously. And it's a big factor, not only for our guests, but also for our employees. And the article is really pushing employers to think about that aspect, instead of worrying about the politics, always, or the fear of losing potential or current employees. Uh, The article asked employers to really look at, is your workforce already largely vaccinated? And if your workforce is largely vaccinated, then you could probably expect minimal or manageable pushback. And that, we haven't come out as Arapahoe Basin saying that we're mandating vaccines for our employees yet, but I think that really gives us a lot of, um, pause for consideration in heading that direction, so.
2: And, and if you don't get the guidance from the governor or the county officials, um, where will you get your, your guidance? And you're in a dense area region where there's a lot of ski resorts. So, you know, I, I think about the, the customer and if it's confusing for us, it must be really confusing for them if it's left up to every business. So how, where will your guidance and will you try and align with anybody else in the region? I mean, we would love to align with others in the region. Um, I,
5: I think that's our strength as an industry. And we've been really good at that. We've proven that um, all along in, in a lot of areas. So are those alliances there yet today? Probably not when it comes to this topic, but I do think there are um, definitely resources within, whether it's called our um, trade group called ski country here. Um, to explore or looking at just our Summit County, Colorado partners' conversations. I know throughout the um, pandemic, the, the last 16 months, um, there's been a lot of conversation. And there's so those lines of communication are open. But I, I think, honestly, it probably, as far as mandating vaccines for employees, I, I think that's probably going to have to be a business-by-business a business decision. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what do we do when our guests, you know, that that's a different, um, kettle of fish, but I I think we're, I think we're squaring up for, if I had to predict mandating vaccines for our employees.
2: Okay. Well, and you know, you obviously got a lot of Vail resort folks around you and I did check in with them, um, see if they had anything coming because as we remember it was around this time last year, I think it was the end of August where they, um, came out with their guidance and that, um, had a lot of people scrambling to, redo their guidance. So I was trying to get if there was anything coming from them. and um, cause that does tend to dictate the conversation, whether you want it to or not. And they are in the same boat where they are waiting and, and not going to come forward with something because they're, they're waiting like everybody else is on what's going on. So And so what is your operational plan for your indoor and outdoor spaces? So it sounds like nothing's going to change outside, not even in the lift lines.
5: Well, again, you know, we're still having conversations. um, we're, We're focused on our employees. I would say most of our conversations right now, and we're trying to have conversations if we were not to mandate vaccinations for our employees, would we mandate masks? And we've had conversations that we w- would include even our outdoor employees who are unvaccinated, um, still wearing masks. Um, again, there's a lot that's changed just in the last week, You know, having that FDA approval for sure. Pfizer was huge and we're anticipating Moderna gets approved relatively soon too, within possibly a week to 10 days. I think more and more of that will help. Um, as far as indoor spaces, we already had planned. We, we were really keen on our snow sports school, particularly for kids. And um, we had decided actually earlier this summer, not even for COVID full reasons, but not knowing enough about COVID that we are going to stick with just half day lessons and not offer the opportunity for kids to eat inside um, under our watch in a full day type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um And we're really glad at this point, seeing how schools are reopening um, in having that already decided and having our products set up that way. Um, I'm not saying that's the way everybody should go, but that was a decision that is helping us be able to better attract or talk to our instructors. Um, I foresee since kids cannot get vaccinated at this point, that we would include masks whenever they are doing bathroom breaks inside or warming up or that kind of thing. So that's as far as we've gotten to indoor spaces. I think restaurants um we are leaning heavily on still public health. Um and I feel like there's still time there at this point.
2: Um and just finally the the staffing shortages you said um mostly around F&B. Um and you have a pretty healthy J1 contingent that you're hopeful for. So when you hear Kelly's update you know, do you have a a contingency plan or? Um, No.
5: (laughs) I mean, the contingency plan is, of course, to try to find, if we couldn't get J1s, we've got the housing for J1s. Right. So I guess our fallback is, and in our community, I'm sure like many other resort communities, housing is is a huge deal right now as well. So I hope we would have enough time to pivot and backfill. Um, But I, I think food and beverage is, going to be the very trickiest. I do feel that the ski industry is not alone in that, though. I think we've seen um, restaurants, unfortunately, and and other hospitality areas that rely on food workers. Yeah. So will our guests still have that mindset? I I don't think they would be surprised.
2: That would be super unfortunate, though. The tailgating will continue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thanks so much, Peggy.
3: Yeah, uh, Thank you, Peggy. Uh, next up, uh, we are joined by John DeVivo. John DeVivo is the general manager of Cannon Mountain and Franconia in State Park in New Hampshire. Uh, it's worth noting that Cannon is owned by the state and New Hampshire run as a, a union. And so uh, he is not allowed to mandate masks or vaccinations for staff, uh, but through team symmetry and buy-in, Cannon uh, has been able to maintain a safe environment for guests and staff um, which is uh, an important thing to note with uh, uh, how John has a, a solid team that's that's all in to make sure everybody can show up for work and everyone can have a, a good experience at the mountain so um, JD like many ski areas Cannon found success and changes made in response to the pandemic can you tell us what changes you've made that will factor in this winter and what other kind of additional changes that are related? Uh, do you have planned?
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, again, last year, we actually did have that, uh, I, I wouldn't even say soft mandate, it's a pretty firm mandate regarding uh, masking anytime you're around people, anytime it lifts and, and whatnot. That came through the New Hampshire governor's office as written by Ski New Hampshire as a, uh, as a board and submitted to the governor's task force on reopening the economy. And such. There's no mandate in place right now relative to capacities or masking. I'm not so sure that there will be, Um, but of course we will follow state guidance. And uh, we talked last week about uh, the fact that the Scheme New Hampshire Board of Directors has discussed all spring, summer, fall this year to date um, when we will put pen to paper and start drafting proposed guidance to submit to governor's office and or the task force and DHHS within the state. But any such mandate regarding uh, masking vaccinations, this, that, and the other thing would come from the governor's office. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Last year, uh, we did a great job with uh, managing our ticketing and our numbers versus expected season pass usage, and we'll continue to do that. You know, we, uh, rather than calling it a capacity issue, it's really more of a managing what you're selling on a day-to-day basis versus what you know is already gonna commit. Last year, we took a little while, but we settled in at uh, essentially a, a two to 1.2 ratio. You know, We knew that if we were selling 1200 tickets, for example, we were gonna have 2000 pass holders on the property. We never exceeded 32, 3300. Everybody had plenty of space outside on you know, a three, four three, four, five hundred 500 acre footprint. Everybody was happy with that. We'll continue to take a look at how that rolls this year. I think we'll probably bump that Threshold number up maybe to about 35, 36. We'll see how it goes. And, and a lot of that will depend upon what we're allowing indoors at any given time. And uh, I think we'll do pretty well with that. Online sales, of course, on weekends and holidays, there was plenty of room uh, throughout the midweek days. Uh, but the weekends and holidays, like I say, you know, we were very careful heading into last season. We started out by selling 150 tickets a day. And that was mind blowing at the time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, by season's end, I, again, we joked that on day 120, we'd be ready for day 121. We got up to, uh, I think, 1250 was our high threshold, knowing that we would see about 2,000 passholder usages. And uh, so online sales, of course, and that was new for us. Uh, we hadn't done it before. We held off essentially as long as we could. Canon was about freedom and, uh, and being able to roll up. And, you know, we love everybody. We'll take anybody. But uh, it worked out very, very well. We went live on December 11th, and we opened on December 12th. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine how that first four to six weeks went as you're managing your online store.
3: Seamless. Uh, Seamless, right? What's that? Seamless. Totally seamless.
6: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We had uh, indoor time clearly marked, and and actually folks were very well behaved about that 30-minute mark and, and share the space. I think that we'll probably impart something like that again. It was a great idea and a lot of people came in and got out and uh, you know, you really didn't have folks coming in and sharpening their elbows and hanging onto that table for the entire day. Um, last year, we certainly went with no bags inside at all. I think this year I'd like to see bags indoors for maybe five minutes, bring, bring it in, change up, stuff outside. We found it was so liberating last year for folks to be able to actually move around and breathe within the base lodges uh, it worked very well. We were at 50% capacity. We had stripped any and all means of storing your stuff. So it was literally tabled and chaired in every building at 50% capacity. We would like to bump that up to 75 or hundred, but a lot will depend upon whether or not we can strongly recommend masking when indoors. Uh, if there'll be any type of mandate for masking indoors, we're going to go ahead and spend probably 40 or 50 K to build uh, a bag storage room or building we haven't done that before that that'll be a canon life-changing event type of thing, and that'll be built such that uh, you know either the giant north face backpack that holds 30 40 pounds of gear will fit in there or a couple of the large version of the trans packs will fit in there we want to make it cost efficient for our guests but we also want to be able to pay for it within a year and a half two seasons time i think that we'll see that for sure and we're talking about probably 450 to 500 cubbies or, or bag spaces if you will You know, outside, I see us certainly embracing the be free, ski and ride, get yourself some fresh air mentality. You know, I don't think that uh, we have any particular magic bullet when it comes to anything developing, anything when it comes to developing guidelines or or any mandates or or strongly recommended language or whatnot. It is good to have strength in numbers, uh, as Peggy had mentioned before. We're a pretty strong group within Ski New Hampshire. Uh, We feel like we've got a pretty good grasp of what's happening. We do have the good fortune of having a governor uh, whose family has been in resort ownership, so they certainly get it from that perspective. And, uh, you know, we leaned on each other fairly well last year, I think. So, Dave, last week you mentioned something that I wrote down, and I think it is important to show consistency across the ski New Hampshire landscape, but Mm -hmm. not homogenization. You know, and and Olivia, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, Vale came out with all of their stuff we didn't change a thing. 70 to 80% of what they were talking about made perfect sense here, but another 20 to 30% made no sense here. And so we, we drafted what we needed to draft in order to run this ski area and to fit within the Ski New Hampshire guidelines that we all came to agreement on. And I think we'll continue to do that. So there's a lot of unknowns right now, but realistically, as you head into this season, I think you have to have at least three sets of plans. One is pre-COVID operations, the other one is post-COVID operations, and the other one is the hybrid model, or, or I should say during COVID. The other one is a hybrid model. And I think you'd be awfully naive to think we're not heading into number three, it's sort of a hybrid model.
3: Yep, I think that's the—that's certainly the path that we're uh, appears as though we're on. So, um, you know, you just talked about some of the things that were successful for for Canon last year. Yeah, you know, uh, with, from, a, and- from a
6: messaging perspective, we loved the ski well, be well. Uh, we did a lot of know before you go. Mm-hmm. And- new hampshire and uh, we'll certainly hang on to that stuff as
3: well at canon specifically um there was uh you said the visitation was pretty much on par with 2019 uh despite you know the challenges of the season but yeah. uh you know you took some revenue hits and you know with the loss of summer tram business and FB and retail were down etc however uh through uh, belt tightening and, and doing more with less staff and customers actually paying full price, uh, the bottom line wound up in, in pretty good shape, uh, when all was said and done now. So is that a sustainable approach as we head into the season? Is that like, what kind of changes do you, would you like to see made in order to make life easier for guests and staff? Um, and, uh, just to, to try to maintain that success from a, a bottom line standpoint.
6: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from a from a sustainability perspective, it would be damn near impossible for us to continue along the line of of wishing you had another twenty percent or twenty five percent more staff uh, fill the ranks. Especially because eventually we will come out of this, and 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 crowds will return on a very regular basis. You know, we did uh, we did have a pretty good year financially, probably one of our top ten for for the fiscal year, and that was despite losing. Say a million and a half to two million in ticket revenue and associated revenue by not running the tram starting last July 1 through the end of October. Um, you know, the bell tightening, we're always trying to find another 5%. We know that we can always be a little bit more efficient from a cost perspective, and that's fine. Uh, full price ticketing, what a concept. Now, if we can all stick together on this stuff, we might all continue to be successful. <laughs> that's a plea to the entire group listening out there. Full price ticketing is absolutely okay. Uh, give them some other programs to figure out how not to pay full price, but let's not make that strategy A1. Uh, but when it comes to a staffing model, I wouldn't want to go through several years of what we've been through thus far. You know, we did it by design last summer. We were used to it heading into the winter. We were able to make several operational tweaks that made uh, that made sense and, and allowed for fewer staff members. But again, let's face it. You're going to need you know, what we what we didn't need in the ticket office, for example, we needed out there as an ambassador force to have, put a kind of a front fresh face on the organization and can you please mask up and please hold it to 30 minutes indoors and whatnot. So we didn't find that we could run it with a lot fewer people. And I think we need to go out there and, and figure out a way to kind of recapture some of that labor force, which is a little disconcerting. You know, as you look around everywhere, raise your hand if you haven't gone somewhere and found that there's a disturbing lack of personnel that's out there. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're chatting internally already and have been for probably the better part of five months now uh, about what's the plan of attack if we do head into this season and we're down 20 to 25% on the labor force again. Found the magic bullet yet on that one. Let's know
3: if we're finally. <laughs> you,
6: you, you were asking about uh, team member buy-in and, and whatnot. And I say, you know, when things are recommended but not mandated, it's important that we as a team, we find great symmetry and unity on the Canon side at at following those strong recommendations. Mm. Um, We are a union shop, so to speak. I cannot mandate vaccinations. I cannot mandate mask usage. We've got a great family here. I mean, where's Tim Barnhorst from, uh, from Mountain Guard? Now, Tim is actually one of our ski race coaches, works for a completely separate company, but is here as an affiliated partner as one of our race coaches. And Franconia Ski Club in Canada are directly in sync, as is the New England Ski Museum, as is Center Plate, which is our food and beverage contractor, um, as is Adaptive Sports Partners of the North Country. You know, they all sit and they all have representation on our management team. And I think we've got probably some of the best buy-in and and team symmetry around the country. And hopefully that will continue. Um, You know, our our partners are basically our family here. We haven't had any problems with that.
1: We'll be right back for more after we thank our partner, Doppelmayr. As the quality, technology, and market leader in ropeway engineering, Doppelmayr Garaventa operates production plants as well as sales and service centers in 50 countries worldwide. To date, the group has built more than 15,100 installations for customers in 96 nations. Flexibility, know-how, and pioneering spirit make the group ideally equipped to meet all the challenges of traditional and new markets www.doppelmayer.com um so next up we're going to go
2: south to massachusetts uh to carolyn stimpsons who is the COO of wachusett mountain in massachusetts and um, you know carolyn as we're hearing that the guidance is vastly different from state to state and changing rapidly and as an example governor charlie baker recently increased his support for mass mandates um, and you recently had a visit from Governor Baker, and um, share a little bit about what he
7: said on that that visit. Besides a ton of f bombs, because he was totally punched out, um, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he actually um, said that outside is outside, and he expects um, us all to be able to operate um, uh, fully. We were at fifty percent outside capacity last season, so um, that was encouraging. Uh, he also appreciated, uh, uh, Kelly. I told him that NSAA was sharing that the US was the only place in the world that stayed open, and he thought that was great on the ski business side. Um, so uh, he has said to his staff that uh, he and uh, union staff that um, they must all be vaccinated. And the attorney general um, backed him up by saying, if you are fired for not having been vaccinated, you cannot collect because it is for cause. So I uh, thought those were encouraging words. Um, we, uh, at our uh, last week's team meeting, we strongly recommended the last few holdouts and we have very few holdouts on being vaxxed. Um, uh, given the big, uh, big pressure, uh, we haven't mandated it yet, but um, w- like Peggy, we'll, we'll probably get there eventually. We're definitely uh, talking about any kids and forward-facing people having to be vaccinated.
2: Yeah, so you said um you're you're leaning towards front-facing, customer facing staff would likely be a mandate for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Is that still where you're at? Right. Do you think mandating vaccine is going to have any impact on your, you know, your if you're hiring or for the current staff now?
7: Uh again, those those few holdouts will be interesting to see, see where they go. Uh but but generally last year we actually did okay with staff because uh, uh, we did limit our season passes to 50%. And um, it's amazing how people want to work when they can't ski for free. You know, they could get, couldn't get their passes. Our passes are, are are such a good value that a lot of our employees were like, oh, I'll just buy a pass. Now last year we actually had more ambassador uh, free position tryouts than ever, ever before. The same with our, our first thing in the morning, snow reporters, we had, uh 80 people trying out for 10 positions so let's uh let's hope that um that we have as many people it, 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 we have our employee uh, party that got postponed um we have it next week and and we're going to do some videos of uh, man on the street employees uh telling uh potential employees what a great place it is to work and how much fun it is um, so after we get a couple of beers in them we'll uh we'll work on those videos um mm-hmm. so uh, that's uh, generally we've, we've had pretty good luck. Um, food service is a little, little more challenging, but otherwise our, um, our employees are, uh, they actually thanked us at the end of the season for making them feel as normal as they could during the week.
2: Nice. That's good.
7: Um, and where where are you at with season pass? You, you... We are so close to selling out. So again, we're at 50% um, because we did, um, like JD said, we really enjoyed charging people full price so uh we did 50 percent and sessions so we did four sessions during the day night and uh and those were really nice we like those except for except for the crowding factor during the changeover so uh we are we're going to do as blue mountain did a little little softer changeover on the uh on the mouse and the snake effect of those session turnovers so we'll, we'll be doing a, a little uh, uh, hopefully, less less intense uh, changeover periods.
2: So, just to recap, you have four sessions that you sell, and okay. and last year, I think you said last year you could double up. Uh, yeah,
7: during, uh, we were sold out so much that we didn't do that because uh, you know we're just trying to give people a chance to ski. So, uh, at the end of the season, we did do double sessions, and and we will do so again this year.
2: And how did what were your your participation numbers in the end 405,000 skier visits so um where's that in your history uh, a little uh, second best second best wow um and you expect that same sessions (laughs) so (laughs) sessions was it was a huge win that stays put as a going forward not even a, a covid solution but even post yeah actually
7: um people uh, business what's our uh, average uh, visit 3.68 uh hours so uh so we um even with season pass uh, you know daytime ticket buyers that eight hour day ticket would only ski three and a half hours they didn't buy any food and beverage last year hopefully we get that this year we only had 25 percent inside capacity so we're we're gonna continue feeding them outside as well as inside um, we'll we'll do mask to the table at this point, um, and then and then uh, we're leaving our plastic and things like that up inside. Uh, hopefully, we get a little little more capacity. As again, JD said, we're we're hoping to at least get 50, 75 percent capacity inside. And okay. I like to get the bags outside. That's a good move, JD. Thanks.
2: Well, and you're you're keeping your rental operation having some outside facing. Um, what do you what are you leaning into for this winter that you did out of necessity last winter
7: we actually put a a giant heated patio um radiant heated patio outside uh tons of cubbies outside and our our uh, boots were handed out and they put them on outside the ski school was amazing and jumping and helping boot up people um spread out all over right in front of the ski school so it was it was very convenient for them to engage with the uh with the new skiers. Although unfortunately um, we didn't get as many new skiers as we would normally because there were so, there was the, um, the pressure was so fast on selling the, the, the um, regular sessions that our beginners didn't know any better and didn't get to come out. So Kelly, we're going to get those beginners back out this year. We're, we're going for the conversion cup again. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so do you have a way, you know, now, you know, heading into this season, it's uh it's, it's different state by state company by company business. So it's actually a little bit harder maybe in some ways to kind of communicate, um, to a never, ever.
7: It is for sure. And, uh, and, but we are going to be doing, uh, a lot to, to, um, communicate within you know, the Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, way of uh, advertising and just getting uh, the word out through their friends and family. That's, uh, that's been super successful uh, for us in the past. And, and we'll keep pushing our, uh, our friend, uh, uh, learn to turn through um, friends and family.
2: Nice. Well, thank you, <clears throat> Carolyn. So we're going to move um, up to Canada and uh, we have Steve Pacanian. Uh So Steve is the president and CEO of Panorama Resort and Mountain Resort in B.C., Uh, Fun fact, Steve's first job at Panorama was as a bellhop in 1985. Loved that. Um, And it also fits in nicely because we're lucky to have Steve as a mentor in our upcoming summit series. So, um, yeah, good stuff to share on that. So, Steve, Panorama is a destination resort. um, So you saw, you know, a dramatic impact um, as destination resorts did um, in lodging. F&B and visitation, lack of international travelers, and in your case, province to province. Um, but this summer was a different story. So share a little bit how, how so, what, what sort of change you saw this summer?
8: S- something yeah, Sure. I, I think it was um, perhaps similar you know, throughout the industry, but with people not being able to travel uh, internationally, the, the regional market for Western Canada, and, and I think for all of Canada for that matter, saw a lot of people taking advantage of the mountain resorts and, and all the offerings that they had in um, the, the lake communities. So we saw a lot of demand uh, for the product. And I think the same was, um, you know, for most of the resorts throughout Canada. Now, you know, there was a bit of impact with, well, that's not a light way of saying it. There was a pretty significant impact with wildfires, but that aside, um, we saw a lot of demand for the product. So that was great. Um, The challenges uh, that we experienced, not unlike the rest of the panelists, was, um, you know, staffing and labor. So lots of demand, but not um, enough people in in certain areas across the resort to be able to meet the demand. So one of the things that, you know, we saw us having to do uh, was actually turn off the res center during some peak demand periods Nobody wants to do that, Um, certainly has a a bit of an impact, but it it allows the staff to have a bit of a break. And when you don't have um, enough of those key people in in certain areas, it helps take the pressure off of them and allows them to continue to be engaged and, and most importantly, engage with our customers going forward.
2: Great. Um, and Canada is, is different in terms of COVID safety requirements. It's a bit more clear, <laughs> your guidance. Um, so can you tell us where you think guidance is going to land um, for you this season and, and and a little bit about the passport, the vaccine passport? Because you said you're serving on a tourism board um, helping to figure that piece out.
8: Yeah, we've got um, some of our key folks. Uh, Ryan Stimming who's our risk and safety manager has been advising in certain areas. And um, the passport program, I think, is going to be um, helpful and, and also perhaps, you know, another challenge. So you think back to last winter where our frontline staff were really challenged with having to, you know, make sure people um, respected and, and certainly adhere to the to the guidelines, with masks being you know being the biggest one. Well, as we move forward, I think it's very positive that we've got proof of vaccine. So in British Columbia, starting September 13th, I believe there will be a proof of vaccine required to go into public indoor spaces. And uh, although we welcome that, I think you know the big challenge is you know the, the devil will be in the details and the logistics around that. And again you know asking some of our frontline staff now to be really um quote-unquote bouncers you know at the door to uh, ensure that these people have this proof of vaccine and you know how they deal with you know any conflict that might come forth I think that'll be a bit of a challenge but in the same breath I think it moves us you know closer to having more of the population vaccinated if they want to come and enjoy these amazing resorts and and recreate and be able to go indoors. I think as I, you know, as I look forward to the winter, I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic about some positive things. That I think um, we'll probably be a lot more relaxed on masks outdoors and in lift lines and and things like that. Yet to be seen, but I, I think that's the direction we're going because, um, as we all know, it was it was certainly a challenge to enforce that, but also you know, just wearing these masks and, and the humidity and, and being wet and frozen and all that sort of stuff. or forgot my mask, or you know, wearing it properly, all of that. So I think, you know, we're moving more and more towards, you know, a great positive experience on the outdoor side and on the indoor side. I think people have gotten used to, you know, having to arrive, wear a mask, sit down, take the mask off and all the different things that we've learned along the way with, you know, new, um, as you would say, intentional, processes and procedures going forward. So going back to proof of vaccine that's happening here in British Columbia, um, a number of the provinces across Canada are starting to adapt that as well or adopt that. And, you know, our biggest neighbor here in in the Rockies and in the Kootenai area would be Alberta. And, and we absolutely, you know, love that market and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing, you know, all of those folks back here this winter. And I think somehow, some way there, there will be a Um, positive and proactive process going forward around the proof of vaccine.
2: So um, just to end with, and I hate to end it on this, but um, (laughs) your number one worry, I mean, as you, as you had, you have more cover, as we would say, you know, for unruly behavior that um, some areas might not have, but what is still your number one worry as you head into the season?
8: Well, I I think like all of us, you know, it's really about people. At the end of the day, so you know how we with the the challenges on the international market, um, you know, even on the on the travel side, but with employees, uh, being able to uh, recruit, attract and retain that's going to be a huge challenge. Um, So it's it's about people and, and making sure that we keep them engaged. Um, that we support them, that we're, you know, we're listening in new ways and and that we're collaborating in, in new ways. I think we learned a lot from, from last winter. So taking those best practices forward, um, you know, the, the challenge in, in getting, you know, skilled people in certain areas, I think everybody plays an important role across the resort industry, but culinary would, you know, be a big one. I, I think a number of um, you know, my colleagues on the, on the panel here identified that as being one of the challenges. So it's it's all about people at the end of the day. So how do we make sure that we've got, you know, great people and, and certainly keeping them engaged and, and keeping them uh, aligned with, with the process, but more importantly, collaborating with them so that we've got some best practices going forward. And I would say, you know, as an industry, incredible team effort. I, I thank you for the opportunity to partake in this. And, you know, as an industry and with the associations, you know, I look at Kelly from NSAA, Christopher Nicholson from Canada West Gear's Association and all of the different, you know, associations across the U.S. and Canada. We've got an amazing playbook. And with that, I think we've created um, confidence in the market, you know, in in the skiing and riding market across North America. And that's really going to bode well for us going into next winter. I think we learned a lot together. And I think those that are really truly passionate about the mountains and the mountain resort industry are going to be on you know, solid footing as we move into the winter coming.
3: Thank you, Steve. Uh, up next, I'm happy to welcome the president and CEO of Mountain High and just recently Dodge Ridge in California, Carl Kapazinski. Uh, fun fact, Carl was recognized as, with a SAMI Leadership Award in 1998, which was the awards inaugural class. Mm-hmm. So Carl, again, uh, I know we've brought it up a lot, but you know, it's uh, in, in uh, where you are in California, uh, there's, uh, uh, it's it's also a, a question that has different factors involved. The uh, It's with major employers as to whether they plan to require staff to be vaccinated, whether mask wearing will be required indoors. Uh, can you tell us how that stands at Mountain High and what sort of factors are influencing the direction of those decisions?
0: Yeah, thanks, Dave, and thanks everyone. Uh, Real quick on uh, uh, on mass right now here in uh, Southern California, LA to be uh, precise, uh, masks are required inside, uh, so uh, it's not a, it's not an issue. It's uh, that we can you know we can debate right now, so to say. Outside <laughs> everything is fine as far as uh, uh, you know not wearing a mask, but uh, so inside we will be until the mandate is lifted. If it is lifted, we'll be requiring masks. Uh We're also seeing in a number of counties in cities uh uh vaccine requirements as far as uh to come inside to eat in restaurants. So we're monitoring that closely. We have not yet, to, like a lot of people said in the group, we have not yet mandated vaccines uh, across the board. I think we're you know we're probably another month away. And as I think a lot of people said before this, we have to be careful not to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, as we all you know, since we spoke last week, things have changed and we all know how fast things are going to change. So my my recommendation is you know not to get ahead of yourself and put yourself into a uh, a position or a corner that you have to fight, fight back out of. So uh, we, we know how to do all that. We know how to do everything we did last year. So really our stance right now is monitoring what uh, is directed to us, uh, what we feel is, is morally and uh, so on right, and then uh, make decisions on a, a daily and weekly basis as we move forward as it relates to subjects such as masking, such as uh, vaccines and all the above. And obviously we're encouraging everyone to get a vaccine and be vaccine, vaccinated. Uh, but, uh, t- as far as mandates, we haven't crossed that bridge yet.
3: You've talked a lot about, uh, the importance of messaging and with any of these decisions that are made, uh, you know, whether it's operationally, uh, or for, for staff or for, for guests, um, the, you know, leading up to this winter now, what's the most vital aspect of any messaging to, to anyone, both internal and external guests from a resort?
0: Well, you know, I, I don't think from, a but messaging, as far as safety, I think it was said set, set by a couple of the other panelists here. I think people get it. I think people are comfortable coming to ski resorts. They, uh, we had a you know, huge advantage last year. Our governor actually encouraged people to get outside and go skiing. So I don't think so much messaging from that standpoint. I see the messaging is people are wondering how the season is going to unfold and, and so on and so forth. And I think we spoke a little bit about, and maybe I'm jumping you know, around this or into this, so to say, but I think one of the key things is, this, you know, controlling the experience, managing the experience. And I think one of the biggest things we learned last year uh, is how much better the experience was. I heard it from a couple of others today. Uh, and that was, you know, you didn't just open the floodgates and everyone came in. You knew who was coming, you knew how to staff for that. You knew how to control the experience and, and we wound up providing even with all the requirements of mass, spacing, uh, distancing, all the above, uh, I would argue by far it was the best experience both our internal guests and external guests had. So, really keeping that messaging going forward that we're not going to just open the floodgates, sell as many passes as we can sell or as many day tickets as we can sell. We're going to manage those uh, so we know on a given day how many people are showing up. uh, And that takes care of a lot of problems from a staffing standpoint, from an experience standpoint, a guest uh, uh, standpoint. So uh, that's probably the biggest takeaway and the biggest messaging we're doing going forward is, hey, we're gonna manage your experience no matter if there's COVID or not COVID going forward. We're not going back to the old days of, you know, open the floodgates, open the doors and whoever shows up, shows up. So that's really the key. I, and I, I guess as a couple others did. I encourage the industry to really look at that and figure out how you how you continue to manage manage the experience, uh, which will then take care of a lot of the things we talked about today, uh, overcrowding, uh, you know, social distancing, uh, so on and so forth. And obviously uh, produce a better experience for the, the, the employees you have, your internal staff and your external, uh, your guests. So that's really my main message of of the day is controlling experience as you go forward using what you learned last year uh, and just refining that and forget COVID's here, not here. Uh, We all know how to deal with COVID. Uh, You know, we all know how to deal with the pandemic. Now, how do we deal going forward and using those best practices to improve that overall experience uh, for both uh, again, our staff and our, our guests.
3: And I think that's a that's a an important distinction in the way that you you put that is uh, you know a lot of what we talk about is limiting uh, capacity, managing capacity, or hesitation, et cetera. But uh, the way you, you pose it is is uh, managing the experience, which I think is a, is a good way of looking at it. So last year, with that. You said Mountain High had uh, the resort's best season since in, in about ten years, um, oh, and a lot of that had to do with managing the experience. How, what kind of things were involved with that?
0: Well, oh, correct. And you know, what's uh, what's called a duck-a-duck. A duck. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say COVID was the best thing that ever happened to this industry, and uh, I hope I don't offend everybody by saying that. But it, it was. It took us and moved us all years ahead on things we probably should have been doing. weren't smart enough to do before. So uh, you know, we we, we we smartened up. We did them. Uh, what's learned from was continue to grow upon those, but yes, it was our it was our best year in since uh, in a long time, if not uh, financially ever. Uh, and it's because of all the things we talked about, we we learned how to do. Uh, we learned how to be much more efficient with our staffing because we knew how many guests were coming. Uh, we knew we knew how to uh, you know control our price points and and so on and so forth. So those are all things we want to continue uh, and and again grow off of and learn. But uh, uh, you know the biggest thing. I think going forward you know, to, to answer your question is, is basically, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, we, we, we know what that experience should look like. We know how many people should be here. Uh, our staff knows how many people should be here and we're not just going back to, uh, again, yes, the, the, you know, the, is the showing up and the, the big advantage we had last year. And what I think really helped everybody was is that we were the only game in town and that's, you know, now it's building off that meaning, you could go skiing, you could get a burger, you could get a beer. Uh, you couldn't go to the movies, you couldn't go to bars, you couldn't go to uh, to restaurants or anything else. So now it's taking those experiences uh, and using, a couple of other people said, that momentum and really capturing that and fine-tuning it. But uh, I would not encourage people to get hung up on whether COVID's here or not here. I would say get hung up on what you learned, what worked, and refining that because that will work post-COVID, in-COVID, no COVID. Uh, so those are that's really my message, is it's really working on the uh, you know, the things we learned and not focusing on COVID per se, but focusing on the things that we did because of COVID that made us all better.
2: I I see a lot of heads nodding, Carl. So I, I think you struck a chord with folks. So uh, um, we have a final guest here, um, Jonathan Davis, general manager of Perfect North Slopes, Indiana. Um, Jonathan, you had your best season ever in terms of participation you shared with us. Tremendous amount of beginners, you said. uh, Huge amount you saw show up. Um, So as you're heading, you know, first, um, you know, as you're heading in uh, to the season ahead, um, I think I first want to understand where you are with masks and masks. vaccines because that's that's the little trickier piece here that we don't have the guidance we had last year so where are you at with that
9: sure um we had the the benefit last year thanks to the national push and leadership uh at nsaa to have this ulb well we still have all those resources um they were backed by the local and the state guidelines this year heading into the season it's a little bit more uncertain because the local and state uh health authorities have not come out with any mandates. There are plenty of recommendations. So we're not alone in, um, in companies who are floundering a bit who deal with the, the, the public looking for a solid footing to stand on uh, going forward. So I know that we're going to be keeping an eye on what um, the national level does and recommends. Um, and I know that we will uh, all join together and uh, like we did last year and, and agree on a set of guidelines that we're going to conduct business under this winter. But in anticipation of what the specifics might be, we're left to the um, when in Rome a little bit, what's the the local and the regional expectations from our guests. And I would anticipate that um, the for us here in the Midwest, we're going to have indoor masking expected of our employees, uh, not mandated of our guests, and on the outside, um, probably no masking requirements. In terms of vaccines, that's um, the hot topic currently, and we don't have talk of mandating a vaccine yet. I would say, if this national statistic is that 25% of the population is unvaccinated, meaning no shots, not, not even their first, I would think that that percentage is a little higher in the Midwest. Just looking at where the um, all those that those data points lie, and we're just at a place with our labor pool that we we just don't want to exclude people from uh, the potential uh, labor pool when we know we're already going to have labor issues. Now we're going to take in as much guidance and information in the next couple months as possible. That stands. May or may not change, but that's where we—that's uh, where we're currently at.
2: And you know, um, you I'm talking about staffing up for the season. You said, you know, you last year, you—you you, did you say you onboarded ninety-four percent of those that showed up, which is an indication of you know our margins are not huge uh, for a leftover, you know, a huge pool that you can pick from. So how do you think that's going to play out this year with? even more strain on labor shortages.
9: Yeah, it's a little scary watching, especially watching the summer entertainment businesses. There's some locals in Cincinnati that, has, that have limited their hours and even open late, um, closed early, and we don't want to do that. So we have just shored up an increase in our base rates uh, from 2 to $4 across positions in our resorts. Um, we're hoping that with increased communication last year with schools, they were closed down to the internal job fairs that we were able to attend. Right now they're open to that, but we're anticipating that those doors might start closing if the, if COVID um, doesn't level off and start to decrease. But we're definitely attacking the, uh, the labor issue with communication to the people that are in our pool and in our interest group, but um, doing as much as we can to um to attract and retain uh the people we we have in our in our ranks
2: okay and um we talked about we asked you about your biggest worry and um you know you said it really was that the lack of trust that's out there Would tell us a little more about it just
9: you know last last year we did so we did so so good there was everybody just wanted to come out have fun on the snow right there was the one percent that didn't think we were doing enough and then 1% thought we were doing too much and every once in a while they would meet and, and we'd have to, you know, separate them. But for the most part, our staff was, was pulling in the same direction. Our guests were pulling in the same direction. We were all on the same team going in the, in the right way, the right direction. It seems like this summer, whether it's the issue of masks or vaccines or boosters, there, there is a general lack of trust in authorities whether be it the government or um ceos or pastors or scout leaders or principals at schools that this 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 cloud of distrust is hanging around you can you can see it if you're on social media enough and i try to stay away um, but th- that Lack of trust is something that we're going to have to back, you know, we, we have earned that over 42 years here in Indiana and we're going to have to backfill and in some of those places where the environment has eroded that Um, meaning that they've got, we've got to communicate like never before. We have got to get consensus with our full-time staff to pull in the same direction. And not everybody's going to agree on everything, but our, at least our full-time staff has got to be united. Our seasonal staff has got to be united so that we can provide a united front for, um, just like we talked about managing a uh, fantastic winter experience on the snow, because that's what it's all all about. Um, th- that's that's our besides the labor issue. That's a Herculean task to build back trust that is constantly being eroded um, daily all around us.
2: We're we're all feeling that strain and worried for our staff who are on the front lines to take on some of that um, pressure. So
1: these problems are not new, but they are at the forefront of the challenges ahead. And the conversation doesn't end here. Join the community by subscribing to Sam Magazine and get six issues of content tailored to the challenges facing the mountain resort industry today. www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. Thank you to our partner Doppelmayr for their support of this huddle conversation and Accesso for supporting this podcast. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix Podcast Guy. I am Sarah Bordeev and thank you for listening to Pod Sam.